If someone offered you a second chance, a do-over in some part of your life, I wonder if you'd take it. Better yet, if someone offered you a second chance at life, would you take it? Is that even possible? Welcome, everyone, to the Full Life Podcast by Grace Church, where we hope to inspire, challenge, and clarify your next steps in faith. I'm David Lawson, and today we are talking about that topic. We're talking about the God of Second Chances. And this podcast grew out of a sermon series that we're doing here at Grace called Jonah, a Man on the Run. And if you haven't listened to any of those messages, I encourage you to go to graceforohio.org because I know that there'll be an encouragement for you and help you in the next steps of your own spiritual journey. Well, I'm really excited to talk about this topic, and I'm very excited for you to hear the story of a woman named Kelly Lawson, who understood that God gave her a second chance, and she embraced that for herself. Welcome, Kelly. Glad you could join us today. Me too. (laughs) If you don't know, uh, Kelly and I are related. Uh, Kelly is our daughter-in-law, and Julie and I are very proud to have her part of our family. And Kelly, a lot of people know you who will be listening to this, but uh, there are some people who don't know you, so why don't you go ahead and take the opportunity to introduce yourself? Um, Well, yep. Like you said, I'm Kelly Lawson. I am married to his son, Jacob, who is their second uh, first boy, and uh, we have a son named Matthew. We call him Matty. He is six years old, and our daughter, Emma, is two, and I've lived in Ohio for since 2015, so winter is... I'm still adjusting. Yeah. Floridian girl. It's I for sure. Yes. Snows and I'm like, ooh, flurries. (laughs) But yeah. Well, I'm really glad you're here. I'm I'm really looking forward to people hearing your story because you have probably, like I have, uh, known people who are running away from God. Mm -hmm. They're on the run in their lives. But at the same time, they're reaching out for a second chance, maybe a third chance, fourth chance, depending on how life is going, right? I mean, that's a reality for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Uh, They run so far that they don't think they can get back. They've kind of lost their way. They're in so deep, they don't feel like they can get out. They might be feeling, uh, have feelings of depression or anxiety or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they just wonder, you know, um, has God given up on them? Hmm. You know, do, is it, is it possible for me to get back to where I need to be, or maybe mm-hmm. for the first time to get where I need to be. And I know that's a little heavy, but that's that's mm-hmm. that's where when you're talking about a God of second chances, that's the yeah. kind of things you're talking about. So you can probably relate to that, can't you? Yes, very much so. All of the things. Um, it was 14 years ago that I like I came to a place where I felt there was just no hope. Mm-hmm. There was just I looked down at my future and there's just darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, I was struggling with extreme depression at the time. I was a junior in college, lived away from home. So everything was kind of new. And um, I wasn't in a comfortable spot. And so I just dove deeper into my emotions of depression and crippling anxiety where I just either went to class or, or I stayed home. There wasn't any anything else. Um, but I, it was all having to do with my life, my living, like what I wanted to do. Hmm. And so... Um, that was kind of like the ending of a very long season of not, um, making the right choices Mm. and feeling empty and trying to fill my life with things. So, you know, I was, the root of it all was down was because as a six year old, I was compared outwardly my looks to my sister Mm. and, that fed the lie through my 
growing years mm. that I wasn't good enough, mm. that nothing I did, said, do, I, could, I couldn't do a thing or say anything or look a certain way in order to be good enough to live this life. Mm. And so um, at the age of 14, I started drinking, trying to find an escape. Um, at 16, I started doing drugs. And then um, as years got older, I tried to find affection from men to show me my worth versus looking at the place I knew I needed to go. Mm. So I was very much in that place of like, I, don't, I didn't see any hope. I didn't see an out. Um, and I didn't think I was good enough mm. to be saved. Mm. And so I, I definitely lived that mm. in my life for sure. Yeah. And so that brought you to a point where? So, yeah, 14 years ago, um, it brought me to a point where I um, where I saw no hope and I thought to myself the um, the only way to find peace mm. was to not live. Mm. And so I attempted my la- to take my own life and miraculously was saved. But I remember thinking, if I wasn't here, I would find peace. And I knew that I would be in heaven. And so without a shadow of a doubt, I knew that if I take my own life, I'll find peace because I'll be, I'll be in heaven. I'll be with Jesus. But I didn't. Yeah, so my whole life changed from mm. that point on because I miraculously was I did not succeed in taking my life and the Lord met me there. Yeah. And we're all grateful for that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what we want people to again, I want to reiterate, we want people to know that there is hope. Yeah. There is hope. Yeah. I mean, you found it mm-hmm. and you've never gone too far that God cannot reach you. You've never run so far that yeah. God cannot rescue you. There's right. never a point where there isn't any hope. But people are feeling, there are a lot of people out there who are feeling what you felt. Maybe not mm-hmm. to the same point where you got, but yeah. they have those emotions. They have those feelings that are going on in their lives. And they feel like they feel God so many times that there's no way back yeah. to freedom and peace and joy and meaning. And mm-hmm. your story is one where... The resounding answer to that question is, is there a way back, is yes. That is the answer to the question. Mm-hmm. So let's start here. Let's start, um, where would you say you were spiritually at that time? Would you describe yourself as someone who was saved? Would you describe yourself as someone who was a follower of Jesus? How, how would you describe where you were spiritually? <clears throat> I would I would say I was a believer at that time. Okay. Um. I believe that Jesus was who he said he was, and he did what he said he could, what he did, um, that he was the way, the truth, and the life. The difference was, is I believe that it was for everyone but me. Mm. For some reason, I was the exception to that rule. Mm. And um, even though I grew up in a Christian household where I learned all of the basics, you know, I learned the rights and the wrongs and what Jesus wants and what he doesn't want, and um, but no one ever took the time to, like, show me. Hmm. how to live out that truth or show me what a relationship with Jesus looked like. Like my parents divorced when I was six. And my so after that point, my dad wasn't in the picture. And my mom was a single mom of four. So she did the best she could. And then, but I, I didn't have anyone influencing my life, pointing me back to Jesus and that relationship. I was hmm. only ever taught the religion of it all. Hmm. So I didn't actually have this like, personal relationship with Jesus to where I could lean on. Mm. I just had the to-dos, the mm. do this, do that. And and so I couldn't lean on that in those dark spots because I, I wasn't doing those things. Um, but I, I would say that I believed he, he mm. was the way, the truth, and the life. And mm. I think that's why I thought, okay, if I end it, 
I'll have mm. peace. Mm. But I didn't live it. Mm. So I, I was not a follower of yeah. Jesus. So faith was a part of your life. It just wasn't running your life. It wasn't yeah. ruling your life. It no. wasn't, there was no lordship of, of, of Jesus there in your life. There was influence of the world for yeah. sure. Yeah. That was the only influence. Yeah. So what is it that you talked about this moment of crisis mm-hmm. that you had, and that's where we all get to when we kind of hit rock bottom. There's just there's this point where, okay, where, what do I do now? That moment, that crucible moment, that moment of crisis. Uh, what is it that brought you to that moment in your life? Um, so a definition of hope that I really love, it's um, from the book called The Cry of the Soul by Dan Allender and Trimple Longman, and they state, hope allows us to go on with living. It gives us some sense that things are going to get better. Life will improve, and the problems besieging us will reach some stage of a resolution. But when I read that definition and I think of that place I was, I was in the complete opposite. Hmm. So I think what brought me to that complete opposite point was the decisions I was making, was who I was spending my time with, the things that were influencing the lie that I believed I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of feeding the hope that is in Jesus, it was feeding the lie that I was not good enough for Jesus. Mm. And so that kind of brought me to that crisis point of like, I give up. There's nothing I can do. What can I do? Um, Because I saw no resolution for my life. I Mm. saw no purpose in living. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are allowing their lies to be fed, yeah. right? Rather yeah. And, and it just takes you deeper. It takes you further down in, into the crisis and gives you um, makes things even less hopeful, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so where did God take you in that moment? Like, what, what decision did you ultimately end up making? When you hit rock bottom, when mm-hmm. you hit that moment of crisis, uh, what decision did you end up making? Where did God lead you? So in that in the moment of when I when I when the attempt was unsuccessful, um, I remember overwhelmingly feeling God telling me, in like a, something lit up in my spirit and my mind and my heart that said, "You are worthy because mm. of what my son did." Mm. You, I'm not done with you. Essentially, it's like that. Oh, and it wasn't an audible voice, but it was just this overwhelming. It was like the Lord just wrapped me in His arms and changed my perspective. And I allowed that change because I was in such a broken place. Um, I was in a, a for sure spiritual warfare. There was mm. just something like, and the Lord was fighting for me, and as He does every day. Yeah. And so, I uh, I ended up basically surrendering my life in that moment of like, mm. okay, I, I, ha- I have to change. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't obviously an overnight thing, but mm-hmm. I made the decision that I was going to change. Yeah. So um, you got this new lease on life mm-hmm. and uh, you embraced it, right? Well, mm-hmm. Tell us more about how, what was your pursuit after that, what what did you do with this new lease on life that God had given to you? So the I'm, I grew up in therapy. So the very <laughs> first thing I did was go and meet with my therapist. Mm. I started at the age of ten, and I was still seeing her, um, even though I wasn't living in the same town. I call her, and so I went back and I just kind of told her where I was, and she knew my story, and um, she was like, "I I would strongly recommend you moving back home, move back home with your mom." And go to a church that you trust. Hmm. 
because she was also a believer, mm-hmm. thank the Lord. And um, and so I did. That semester ended. It was November when I attempted, and the semester was ending in December. And so I moved back home, and I took a break, and I just lived with my mom. And I called the pastor that I grew up knowing, and he basically was like, yes, come to church, and I also want you to serve. And he kind of inserted me into this in, into the youth group serving as a youth leader think and me thinking I'm like I am just like these teenagers <laughs> like who who am I to be a youth leader and um he's like no I want I, it's not so much for you to serve but for you to meet the other leaders essentially mm-hmm. like he mm-hmm. kind of set that up and so I started serving and my entire time was taken up by the things I was doing within the church and ministry and mm-hmm. I got to meet a woman named Maji and in that relationship i got to meet several other young people mm-hmm. that we just live life together surrendered mm-hmm. to jesus mm-hmm. that's cool yeah so you've mentioned i want to explore a little bit more a couple of these uh, uh, maybe highlight a little bit more of what you just to share with us uh one you've used a couple of times the word surrender mm-hmm. um very important word because yeah. uh that defines a different relationship than what you had <clears throat> yeah. with the lord before so talk to us a little bit more about when you say surrender, what, mm-hmm. what do you what are you saying? What do you what are you communicating when you say that? What are you describing? So I I've always believed that there is a difference between a believer and a follower mm-hmm. of Jesus. Um and that's kind of the the difference that I like the Lord has kind of brought in my life of what I was and who I became. Um surrender to me is someone who your life is no longer your own, mm-hmm. essentially. Like mm-hmm. you live life with Christ in mind. Um, when I surrendered my life, First Colossians 1, 16 through 18 came to me, and I mm. and that became my life verse. Mm. And it's uh, paraphrasing is everything is made by God and for God, and Christ is first in everything. And so my life was so much about me because mm. of uh, I, I did theater and my name was in lights and I sang and all of these other things that I wanted the acclamations but never felt the worth. And now my life was about Jesus mm. and the complete opposite of my name in lights. It was now I want his name in lights. I want mm. people to look at me and see him. And so surrender to me is like we have it here at Grace. Like you are a fully surrendered follower of Jesus. Mm. And that just – I think it just is the the word image would be just holding your hands out and giving mm. him all of who you are. Mm. And with that, you make other choices. Yeah. And so that would be the difference is – Believer and follower, a follower, someone who's just yeah left their old life and yeah. followed after Jesus. Yeah, the freedom is in the following ultimately, yes, right? I mean, that's sure. that's where it is. If you uh, if if you're not following, because Jesus said, you know, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Mm-hmm. That's that's we we put on these burdens in our life when we're not following. Yeah, uh, he he wants us to follow because he wants the best <laughs> for our yes, lives. You know, yeah. we think we want the best, but following is actually where the freedom is. Yeah. Um, you also talked about discipleship, and yeah. you talked about someone coming alongside you. Uh, mm-hmm. Describe that a little bit for us mm-hmm. and how beneficial that was for you and maybe for someone who finds themselves in these circumstances. Yeah, so um, Maji, she was just a few years older than me, and she was a youth leader, and she went to the local Bible school that I later went to and met Jacob. And mm-hmm. um, she w- is wise beyond her years, mm. um, but she basically, like, I call her my pillar. <laughs> like we don't have a active relate like an like everyday relationship mm-hmm. now, but mm-hmm. I will always see her as the person that the Lord placed in my life to hold me up. Um 
And she basically just took me under her wing. She spent time with me. She'd show up at my work just to see how I'm doing. Um, she got to know my hopes and my hurts. And she she ultimately would point me back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And even though those lies kept creeping in as they do, she would take me back to the truth. Mm-hmm. And she would teach me the word of God, but also she would just live life with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that relationship with her, the other youth leaders, we just kind of became this tight-knit family, essentially, of young adult believers striving to live for Jesus. And so we were all kind of discipling each other. But living life with someone who might be in the same boat as you or a couple steps behind you is super influential, um, especially if you're so used to being influenced by other things. Having having that change of scenery, essentially— mm-hmm is super important and it was for me because Maji Maji was my pillar. She held yeah. me up for a year or two mm-hmm. before I could finally like stand on my own yeah. essentially and yet she was still there through it all. And Maji wasn't the only one. She may no. have been the primary one, but yeah. you I've heard you talk about the value of getting other people oh, in your life mm-hmm. too. Um the, the scripture says bad company corrupts good character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh getting around good people uh, yes. reinforces that good character. Mm-hmm. Uh was that the same for you? Yeah. I my mom used to say when I was a kid, you are who your friends are, which mm-hmm. is essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> bad company, corrupts character. And I never, of course, as a teenager, you'd ri- roll your eyes. Um, but that was, for, f- for me, very much the case. I would surround myself with people who were like-minded in the in a worldly sense of, like, they would drink too underage or they would get drunk or they would do drugs or they would sleep around or go party or whatever. And I had all of those influences. And so when I surrendered my life to the Lord, I had to make the conscious effort to essentially bring every one of those relationships before him Mm -hmm. and say, what do I do? Because I love those people. Like, even though they are of the world— I loved them. They mm-hmm. were friends of mine. They were. They did live life with me, but they weren't the best that God had for me because of their priorities. And so I basically, one by one, just had to either walk away or just sit down with them and say, hey, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore, mm-hmm. and this is mm-hmm. why, and actually get to share my story. And go. most of the time they'd understand, and others would be like, well, you're crazy yeah. kind of thing. But um Having that change of priority and spending time with people who have the same priorities in life is very uh, important. Yeah, and but ultimately, uh, it wasn't the friends, it mm-hmm. wasn't Maji, it wasn't it. It was the it was the gospel For that sure. really brought you yeah. freedom. Um, tell us a little bit about the the change in perspective you got <laughs> on the gospel in that that moment of crisis. So, I remember. I've been doing a Devo series, and I, my my best friend here in Ohio, she said, for the first time, I can I can physically feel the love of God. Mm. And it's only because, she, she, I mean, she's not doing anything different other than she is spending more time in her word, mm. and she is spending more time in prayer. Um, and, and it's funny because at that point, I, I didn't believe that it was for me. I thought it was for everyone else but me. And then that day came and I was unsuccessful. And then I, the perspective change of you are worthy because of what my son did. I got, I had freedom in that Mm. of it's not anything I do. Like I can rest essentially in that Jesus did it all. Mm. 
And I, there's nothing I can do or say to earn that salvation. He just loves me because he loves me. Mm-hmm. And that there was freedom in the gospel because of that, because of the religion that I was taught and the pressure to do all the right things in order to be holy, righteous. The Lord calls us holy. Mm-hmm. And our response is what we do. Yeah. Our response to his love is how we be- is like being holy and righteous and making those choices. But I didn't have to do those in order to earn salvation. He freely gave it to me. And so I think it clicked that day of knowing when I when it when he said you are worthy because of what my son did, I I finally believed it. It was something within me just lit up, and I found rest in the gospel that I don't have to do anything. I don't have to, like, make all the good decisions. Or Yes, that's important, but I don't have to do it in order to earn his love. Yeah. And so, or his sacrifice. And yet the gospel brings transformation. Mm. And I think, yes, rather than... uh, Rather than just uh, someone claiming they have faith, yeah. If there's no transformation, then you have not embraced the gospel because mm-hmm. the gra- grace of God is transformative. It's yeah. powerful. It leaves the pa- is what allows us to leave the past behind and pursue yes. the new life that God has for us. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking with Kelly Lawson, and we're hearing her story about the God of second chances and how embracing. Uh, the God of Second Chances can put a new lease on your life. Kelly, uh, I mentioned earlier that this uh, grew out of a sermon series we're doing here at Grace called Jonah Man on the Run. Yeah. Uh, your life uh, parallels a lot of uh, Jonah's story. So um, what, are, what are some parallels that you see in your life compared to the life of Jonah? So <clears throat> Jonah is one of my favorites. Um, chapter 1 and Chapter 2 are probably my ultimate favorites because you see that kind of change in his perspective. Um, in chapter one, when I read through it, I, I pull out uh, three types of confused believers. Hmm. And I believe that I was very much a confused believer. Um, the first one would be rebellious, people who know what to do but don't do it. And the second would be ignorant, people who do not understand how to do it or they don't understand it at all. Or a pain person, a person in pain. If anyone's in pain, it, it, their view perspective is corrupted. Mm-hmm. And so I would say I was all three of those things mm-hmm. before I surrendered my life. Um, and then... Well, tell us a little bit how, about how each of those was was lived out. I mean, yeah. How, what did the rebellion look like? What did the pain look like? You know, what, what did these things look like in your life? I think the rebellion was I because I was a believer... I, it kind of stemmed through the ignorance. Hmm. And then um, the rebellion also stemmed out of pain, the being the pain person. So they all, it was like a domino effect in my life, essentially, like believing the lie at a very young age that I was not good enough, that nothing I did was worth anything, kind of bled into, okay, that's the painful part. Hmm. Well, I'm in pain, so I'm going to make all these decisions to try to fill the pain, to like, Put a Band-Aid over it. And so I would do that. I would go out and drink. I would go out and do drugs. I would meet up with different guys and make really bad decisions only to feel, to try to, like, ease that pain. Mm. But it was always there. Mm. So the rebellion would be the choices I make, knowing what I'm doing is Mm -hmm. wrong because I know Mm -hmm. I am a believer of Jesus. Mm. And then 
the ignorance of I only ever understood the religion of the gospel and the Bible and mm-hmm. not the relationship of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was all three of those types of confused believers, and I didn't know what to do. So mm-hmm. I just kept living on my own. Yeah. And making the decisions I had. Yeah. So uh, you were on the run. Yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. Like Jonah was. Um, <laughs> and I've heard you talk a little bit about some of the, the lessons that you've learned from the life of Jonah, some of the principles mm-hmm. that are there. Any more you want to share with us about his life there? Yeah. So chapter two, um, he starts praying to the Lord as he's in you know the mm-hmm. belly of the whale. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, all of chapter two is just different principles, I would say. Um, verse one, I would, I kind of cross-reference it for Hannah, but it's basically, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you're at, you can turn to him. Mm-hmm. And I, Hannah is probably one of my favorite characters or people in the Bible because she goes before the, the Lord raw and real. Mm-hmm. She just like, to the point where, you know, they think, the priest thinks she's completely intoxicated. And, like, I can just see the blubbering mess that she was. And I just think I was at a place where I had no—I did not deserve a life worth living. Like, that that's kind of where I was. But I was able to turn back to the Lord. Mm. So Jonah bringing—praying out his prayer, it doesn't matter where where you've been, what where you're at— you can always turn to him. He will always chase you. He will leave the 99 for the yeah, one, yeah. you know? And the, and, the, and the Bible is filled with stories. Oh, like this. yeah. You know, you think about the prodigal, probably one of the most famous stories yes. in the Bible. <laughs> most everybody understands it. It's in the vernacular of our culture. Yeah. I'm the prodigal, <laughs> I'm right? I'm the prodigal, yeah. Um, God always has the light on. Always. He's always waiting for you to come home. Yeah. Always wanting to draw you. The door you. is never closed. Yeah. For and sure. I love what um, Paul wrote uh, to the Romans. He said, where sin increased. Mm. Oh, I love this part. Mm. Grace increased all the more. more. You yep. can't get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And the whole point is rescue, though. The whole it's yeah. not just um, it's not just forgive and forget. It's about no. I'm doing this to transform you. Mm-hmm. I, I want I want a different life for you. And yeah. so the, the Bible is filled with these come home stories. Yeah. And they're not just feel good stories. They're real stories about the 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 power of God's redemption in the life mm-hmm. of a person in your life. Definitely exemplifies that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Jonah yeah. even says like he ends his prayer with, um, you the God of my salvation. Mm. So he's saying you're my yeah, rescue, right. you are my only hope. And right. then of course he like vomits out <laughs> Jonah. He's on, you know, like there's yeah. God is the only hope for yeah. sure. Yeah, and of course emotions were a big part of this for you too. Yeah, right? yeah. You were, um, you know, emotions sometimes rule over truth. Yeah, that I mean that's um I think that's verse verse 2 in uh chapter 2. It's like my emotions are not going to change God's response. And I remember saying that our um our Bible teacher, Pastor Randy Smith, he would always say uh emotions do not dictate truth. Yeah. And that is something that I mean even in today's walk with the Lord I still have to like remind myself that and and Jacob, my, my husband, is very good about that. He is always like, do you want to hear the truth behind your feelings? Like, do you want to hear, like, the but God this? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm and i always like, yes, please, because I need that. Like, mm-hmm. you need those people in your life. And um, because of that, I can I can see, like, verse 6 says God God's mercy is in the rescue. Mm-hmm. And so God did not deliver me that day 
<clears throat> that I attempted my life only for me not to fully surrender. But mm. if he made the choice, if I had not made the choice to surrender, he would he would continually call me back. Yeah. And so rem- remembering that his truth overrides my emotions gives me hope that yeah. I, I'm always he's there. Yeah, he's going to always be there. Truth remains regardless because yeah. truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He yeah. is truth. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Truth is always yeah. there, always perseveres, is always um, present. And nothing that we can do, nothing that we can think, nothing that anybody else can do, no one's mm-hmm. impression of us can change the truth about God's love for us and he wants to rescue us. Yeah. That will remain true always, always, regardless. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think um, Jonah, he, at the end of that, of the at the end of chapter two, he, uh, I think it's uh, verse seven and nine. He, the principle pulled out is like forgetting, forgetting God is the source of my problem. Mm. So, I, I always say this, and I'm, my grace group is probably so tired of me saying it, but the, <laughs> I believe that the enemy's number one goal is not for us to walk away from the from God. It's for us to forget who He is, mm. because when we forget, that's when we start making all of the decisions that lead us out of righteousness. And so remembering who he is and what he did and knowing that that was freely given to us mm-hmm. is the only hope we'll ever have. So you must have put some systems or structures in place oh. to keep God in front of you. <laughs> yeah. What what would you say some of those are? Currently? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I would say having staying in the word, always being in the word, um, and then having people around you who might be um, either coming out of or have lived the same type of um, struggle as far as I, w- I, I, knew, I knew what to do. I just never did it, and now I'm surrendered, and I want to live surrendered. Mm-hmm. Um, living life with those people, having mm-hmm. being discipled, mm-hmm. ha- discipling others. Like that is, that is a huge thing that is very um, – important to both Jake and I is to have those people who might be a little ahead of us in their faith journey or they're right next to us and just living life with them, mm-hmm. um, allowing them to point us back to Jesus. But the biggest thing is like being in his word, well, yeah. you will know his character. Yeah. It is so transformative. I remember uh, you had mentioned going to the Bible Institute in yeah. Florida and that's where you and Jacob met. Yeah. I remember a phone call in October mm-hmm. that Julie and I had with him. Mm-hmm. And he was talking, and I, who are you? Because he was like, he was talking about things, he was saying things, he was thinking things that he'd yeah. never talked about, thought about, or said before. And it was because he was in the Word every single day. Yeah. In the, I remember Bob Federhoff talking about this with his dad, mm. uh, Dean. He said, I don't know how many times, uh, this was early in my ministry, he said, I don't know how many times my dad has read through the Bible. Mm. He said, and then he said this, he said, the cumulative impact of that can't be measured. And I thought, wow, that's yeah. that's what you're talking about. That's keeping God in front of you, being with the right people, being in the Word, yeah. having church a part of your life. And again, it's not the religion side of things, it's, it's, it's an investment side. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to put myself in a position where I'm going to be reminded of and hear and have the word of God, the truth of God brought into my heart and into my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
I'm so glad that you embraced mm. the God of Second Chances. Look at yeah. what happened to your life because you've done that. Just look how how different things are. What yeah. would not have been yeah. if you had not done that. And uh, for those who are listening, you know, if you find yourself in that spot where um, you feel like you're hopeless, um, God has more for you. He has more for you. And uh, he wants you to embrace the second chance that he is offering to you, just like he offered to Kelly. And uh, I'm so grateful, Kelly. I really am. Let's talk about some next steps. Um, we're big on next steps here. And yeah. it, you know, nothing's more frustrating to than to hear something like this and then not know what to do. <laughs> like, what do I do now? Yeah, what do you do yeah. now? So um, you and I have talked a little bit about mm-hmm. you know what some next steps might be coming out of your story. Uh, let's start with, with Regen. That's yeah. a ministry that we mm-hmm. have here. Uh, which is helpful for people in a variety of circumstances. Give yeah. us a little description of what Regen is, because I think there might be some misconception about it, uh, yeah. what Regen is, and um, maybe even how it can sign up. Sure. So the curriculum of Regen is very much set up like AA or NA, um, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, um, in steps. Mm-hmm. But the difference is it takes a biblical approach. So the very first time you come, one of the leaders will give you – a list, I think it's 117 things, but how I describe it is their sin struggles. Hmm. So I might be a seasoned believer and have strong faith and a surrendered follower of Jesus, but I still struggle with anxiety. I still struggle with depression. I still struggle with comparison. I still struggle with all of the things. And so it kind of brings out, okay, have you struggled with any of the things? Have you gone through any of these things? And so it doesn't just go with addiction. It, it goes with sin struggles. And so there is you come in and you meet a group of people and you learn a you learn something from a truth of the bible but you're walking through steps to basically see victory and even the people who have seen victory um they it's still beneficial because mm-hmm. you're around like-minded people mm-hmm. who are saying i i have struggled or i am struggling I want to live for Jesus. And so it's, a, it's kind of like a you're just kind of dropped into a group already. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they can sign. I mean, if you just go to, it's on Tuesday evenings, and they just go to Grace for website, Ohio. Grace for graceforohio.org, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. And it's under there, but it's it's really beneficial. Mm-hmm. I've I've gotten the honor of doing two, two rounds mm-hmm. of the steps. Um, and Jake is still one of the male leaders, so yeah. it's still part of our life, and we're still champions for yeah. it, and it's it's very beneficial for sure. So basically, if you're a human being, if you're a human you, being. Because you said a list of 117 other things. <laughs> oh, is that yeah. all? There's, there's got to be <laughs> there's more. There's got to be more. more, yeah. Uh, the other thing besides Regen, uh, discipleship was so huge in your life, and you, yeah. you described what that was mm-hmm. for us. Um, but what advice would you give to someone who is listening? I would say, I mean, the— especially with our church and the the great people we have, I would say getting into a grace group is probably a good way to open that door. Mm. Um, Chris and Rachel Franks are our grace group leaders, but they have also become our disciplers. And so it's not just, they don't just, we don't just meet with grace group and they, they you know, facilitate the lesson and teach mm. us new things. It's they li- have lived life with Jake mm. and I mm. and our family mm. and have become a part of our family. And so just going into a grace group will at least open that door to meet people mm. who mm. who m- the Lord might be like, hey, 
Y'all, y'all need to live life together. Get somebody who loves you, cares loves for you, you. Yes, it's for you. It, yeah, yeah right, for sure. Right. And then if if you're somebody, uh, even if you're somebody who, uh, we're, we're humans, we're struggling in this life, but there might be mm-hmm. somebody else that, that might need a friend, might need someone to keep pointing them to Jesus yes. like you talked about. Yeah. You could be that for somebody else too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about influences. We talked about mm-hmm. Bad Company, Cross Good Character, and the bold and courageous and loving conversations you had with people about, yeah. hey, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Yeah. I love you, but I'm not doing this. You can come with me, <laughs> but I'm not going to let you influence me anymore. Right. Uh, talk about those influences that people need to have in their life. <clears throat> I mean, it, it. the saying is true. You are who your friends are. Hmm. How you, what you take in as far, like we hear a lot about like, you know, what movies you watch, what music you listen to, what books you read. What you take in is definitely going to have some effect in who you are and what choices you make and how you respond to things. And um, so if you're if you're influenced by anything, being friends with people of the world is not wrong. That's good. That's mm-hmm. what the Lord has called mm-hmm. for us to do is to be Jesus to those people. Mm-hmm. It's how they are they influencing you? Mm-hmm. Like, are you investing in them or are they investing in you yeah. in a worldly way? Yeah. And so it's really taking a look at who influences me or what influences me and then quite literally just ripping it off ripping it away jake and i talk about that all the time when sin struggles is like you have to cut it off Mm. like cut off your arm cut Mm. you like the lord Mm -hmm. i mean it's a very graphic thing but but it's metaphorical in a sense of like the lord is saying you need to remove it from your life because if you don't it's going to continue to influence you right so it's really picking apart your time right. for sure and how what you spend your time doing and who you spend your time with yeah because it matters it no matters doubt. yeah and of course the big one this could have been number one on the list but um <laughs> the big one is salvation yeah I mean, this this isn't self-help this isn't five easy steps this right. is uh, this is a lifestyle it's a followership mm-hmm. it's salvation that's found in jesus christ yeah and believing believing is the very first step because he did he is who he says he is, and he did what he said he did, and he is the way and the truth and the life. Our response to that love, to that sacrifice, is how we live our life. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, he's it's freely given. Yeah. Yeah, it's a relationship. You know, like we, we like to say it around here this way. It's a relationship we were created to have mm-hmm. uh, because you were created to know God and can yep. created to be, have a relationship with him. It's a relationship we don't have. Because of sin, sin has separated us from God. We have a holy God, and not, we're unholy people. Mm-hmm. And so it's created this division. Our, our iniquities have separated us from God, Isaiah said. Yeah. But it's a relationship we can have because of Jesus. And yeah. he is the one who bridges the gap. He, took, he paid the penalty for our sin against a holy God. And in exchange for that, he gave us his righteousness. And, of yeah. course, we receive that by faith. It's something we must choose to have. And so... Uh, if you're someone who hasn't yet uh, entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, strongly encourage you to investigate that for yourself. Talk to somebody who you know is a Christian, who's a follower of Jesus Christ, a local pastor, and uh, they'd be happy to uh, walk you through what it means to know Jesus personally, because that is the foundation. That's that's mm-hmm. what you discovered ultimately yeah. was the followership part. Yeah. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for your time. Um, 
And I know people are going to resonate with your story, and I think they're going to get a great benefit from it. So thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, I trust our time uh, with you has been helpful for you as you pursue the full life that God has for you, in part by pursuing the God of second chances, because uh, Jesus came that you might have life and you might have it to the full. If you don't have a church home, you're certainly welcome to join us. Just visit our website, graceforohio.org, and you can find our meeting and streaming times. Uh, In the meantime, uh, we're praying that God is at work in your life and that you experience the full life that Jesus has for you.